diseases, that it can even be fatal. The Gallup poll says that loneliness affects more than one-third of the population. Also, the census figures, and they indicate the number of Americans living alone has skyrocketed since the 60s. Nearly 23 million Americans live alone. Think about that. 23 million Americans that live alone, including 11% of the 35 to 44 year, year olds. And, and that percent, 3% of the people in that same group were living alone in 1970. And of course, among the most vulnerable group are the 85 and older, 47.1% or more than 1 million people of 85 years of age and older live alone. And that percentage is up 38.5% or 38.8% from just 10 years ago. I mean, it's pretty, pretty, it's just revealed before us that we live in a culture and a society that is struggling with loneliness. Well, how do we deal with that? I mean, when we start feeling lonely, how do we deal with that? And we see these statistics that are before us. But even the music in our culture today signifies and tells us that we are alone. I mean, just listen. I'm going to play a little clip for you. Just listen to some of the secular music that are on the radios. Maybe you have some of these CDs, how they talk about us being alone. This is the culture that we're living in today. Listen to this, if you will, please. This is for all Thinking that life has passed them by Don't give up until you Drink from the silver cup And ride that highway in the sky Just take a walk down the street To Heartbreak Hotel Where you will be Because so lonely, baby Well, you will be lonely You'll leave so lonely you could die. Lonely people, where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? always do save the best for last. Amen. We struggle with loneliness, do we not? I mean, in our culture today, we can look around and nearly everyone at some point in their life is struggling with being alone. So what do we do with that? Well, first of all, we need to look into God's word. I want you to look in in first Kings chapter number 19 in verses 1 down through verse number 10. 1 Kings 19, verse 1 and 10. And here is a great man of God, a man by the name of Elijah, that struggled with loneliness. 
And we'll see what he did. Matter of fact, I want you to remember, this came after one of his greatest victories in his life. Because in 1 Kings chapter 18, we see that there he is up on the mountain. He's, he's brought all the prophets of Baal and all the, all the prophets to a, to a prayer session, if you will, to see whose God would really answer by fire. And of course, Elijah came out victorious there. And this is right after one of those great victories in his life. But let's pick up reading in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 1. The scripture says that Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Look what Elijah did. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there, but he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. And he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough. How many has been there? (laughs) How many has been there? I have had enough. Lord, take my life. For I'm no better than my father's. And then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. And suddenly an angel touched him. And the angel told him, get up and eat. And then he looked. And there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord returned a second time and touched him. And he said, get up and eat or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and and then on the on the strength from the food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. And he entered a cave and there he spent the night. And then the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, tore down your altars. Killed your prophets with the sword. Listen to this next phrase. I alone am left. And they are looking for me to take my life. Here we have this great man of God, Elijah. And now he feels like he's the only one that in essence is serving God. The only one that is being faithful. Now, here's a whole nother lesson, and I'm not going to get into it, but I can't help but, but say this as a sidebar. You may tell you when you're, you're most vulnerable to be attacked by Satan and to feel like you're alone or to come under some attack. It's usually after some mountaintop experience in your life. It'd be right after some victorious thing that just took place in your life where you're like, whoo, we're on top of the mountain. Maybe a little bit how we feel right now as a church with implementing our Sunday school and seeing the great response that we had this morning in all of our Sunday school classes. We must be careful now because we may find ourselves like Elijah just next week. But here he is. I am all alone. Guys, we struggle with loneliness. And I'll be honest with you, this has been one of my biggest struggles ever since I've came here to start Victory Church in March of 1999. I mean, there are times when I feel all alone. And you would think that you're the pastor. You've got hundreds of people in your congregation. You'll be the last one that's alone. Oh, my friends. 
You don't know the days that go by and the hours that go by that me and my family feel like we're completely alone. And this is where we really need our church family. This is where we all collectively need each other. But we struggle with that. All of us do, do we not? Oh, you military men and women and all your, your deployments and your TDYs and your PCS. How you like? I'm, I'm picking up some of the terminology. It's taken me a while, but I'm starting to pick some of it up. And that has to factor in to you being alone. How do we deal with loneliness? Through my counseling, especially since I've been here, where people really struggle with being lonely. You know what I've found that a lot of people want to do? They want to go back to the past they want to go back to that point in their life wherever it is that they can think you know right there i was happy right there is where i felt fulfilled right over there if i could just get back to there now i'm not talking spiritually speaking I'm talking about relationships that you had there. Whether it was friends that you had there. Whether it was family that you had there. Whether it was a job that you had there. Or it was a boss that you worked for there. And we think in our mind, and this is where Satan tempts us. He'll tell us a lot of times, quit doing what you're doing and just get back there and you won't be alone any longer. Well, let me tell you something, folks. There doesn't exist anymore. And what do I mean by that? The situation has changed. The environment has changed. All the things that were factoring into you being so happy there, a lot of those have changed. You know, a lot of times I think, boy, if I could just go back to living next to my mom and dad. There on the mountain that my grandpa owned the entire mountain and he sold off part of it to the school and our property borderline the school and we used to ride motorcycles there and we used to play ball there or get our golf clubs and go hit golf balls there and my cousins would come over and my family would come over and, and my, my relatives and friends that I had there, my church family back there. And sometimes Satan tempts me, just quit what you're doing here and go back there. And you won't be lonely. Guys, let me tell you something. I know that there doesn't exist any longer. Yes, my family's still there, but the situation is different. Everything is different. And I would not be happy if I left here and went back there. Why? Because there is not the center of God's will for my life any longer. Hello? So we, the first thing that we naturally try to do is just grab hold of some place in the past that we were happy and do everything in our strength to get back to that point. Let me tell you, just, just nail it down. It doesn't exist. Things have changed. Hello? And if you go back there expecting things to be just like they were when you left, you're going to mess it up for everybody else not to say what you're going to mess up for yourself. It doesn't exist. Hello? That may be hard for some of us to get a hold of, but it's true. And a lot of times that's what we'll try to do. How do other people deal with loneliness? I put together a little five-point quick outline. I'm going to hit real quickly here about how some people deal with loneliness. Number one, jot this down. Some people deal with loneliness with a to-do list. In other words, if I could just stay busy, if I can keep myself so busy... That I don't have time to think about what's taking place in my life right now. And so we create a to-do list every single day. And we're busy knocking the things off of the to-do list which keeps us from thinking about our loneliness. And that's not the best way to handle it. 
But that's how many people handle it. A second way that people handle loneliness is they travel. Notice all of these are going to start with the letter T. You'll notice I did have to stretch a couple of them, and I'll explain. But they all start with the letter T. And Carlos, you're going to love it here in just a moment. But we travel. I mean, some people, to deal with their loneliness, they just stay gone all the time. I mean, travel here and travel there and go see this and go see that, thinking that will fill that void in their life of being alone. Thirdly, some people look to tequilas. I had to stay with the letter T, okay? What I mean there, I'm talking about drugs and alcohol. Some people will revert to drugs and alcohol to take care of the loneliness in their life. You're not going to get it taken care of there, friends. Some people also look to tacos. Hello? Or turkey. Or tomatoes. What am I talking about? I'm talking about food. Some folks revert back to just eating all the time to try to deal with the loneliness. Some just throw in the towel. And they just quit altogether. And guys, none of these are the way that we are to handle loneliness. None of these. But many in our culture today do just this. When they're alone, they stay busy. They travel. They, they look to drugs and alcohol. They look to food. They just, or they may just quit altogether and say, there's no use. I'm just going to be miserable and lonely the rest of my life. And they become a very bitter person. How many of us know people that have dealt in all five of these areas? I've counseled with people here that have looked in all five of these areas to help take care of their loneliness. Folks, you won't find answers in any of those. You won't. Let's look at another biblical character that struggled with loneliness. And by the way, your loneliness is nothing new. In the Bible, in 2 Timothy, I want you to look at the Apostle Paul. 2 Timothy, chapter number 4. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 9. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He's writing his letter to Timothy. This is at the end of Paul's ministry. He's been through many trials and persecutions. and He's been very faithful. But in the end, you would think, this is the great Apostle Paul. Surely, he didn't struggle with loneliness. Look what the Scripture says in verse 9. Paul says, and he's writing, inspired of the Holy Spirit... Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas has deserted me. Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, Timothy, get here soon. I need you, Timothy. Demas has deserted me. Because he loved this present world. And he has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Demacia. Only Luke is with me. He says, bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. Oh, there's a great story right there. He said, I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. And when you come, bring the cloak that I left in Troas with Carpus, as well as the scrolls and especially the parchments. Paul is saying, when you come, Timothy, only Luke's with me. Everyone's deserted me. He said, will you bring my coat? Will you bring my scrolls? which is where he had written many of the New Testament books that we have today, and especially the parchments, so that he could continue to write, inspired of the Holy Spirit. He said, bring those things to me. And look what he says in verse 14. 
He says, Alexander the coppersmith did great harm to me. Have you ever had people personally attack you? Paul did. And if you live long enough and walk in the ways of the Lord long enough, someone will turn on you and attack you. How do you handle that? Just like Paul did. The Lord will repay him according to his works. Another verse of scripture, the word of God says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Turn all that over to the Lord. When you've been attacked by someone, God will take care of them. But he gives a warning to Timothy in verse 15. He says, watch out for him yourself because he strongly opposes our words. Speaking about Alexander. At my first defense, verse 16, no one came to my assistance, but everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against them. Would you agree that the Apostle Paul is dealing with some loneliness right now in his life? Sure he is. And he even lists some of the individuals that have deserted him and left. He even lists some of those that have attacked him. And now he's there all alone with the exception of Luke. And he's struggling with the fact that he's alone. Where does the answer to loneliness lie? In verse number 17. Look what it says. But the Lord stood with me. And strengthen me so that the proclamation might be fully made through me and all the, that all the Gentiles might hear. Here's three things quickly I want you to jot down on how the Apostle Paul dealt with his loneliness. Number one, write this down. He was aware of God's presence. He was aware that God was there. In the midst of his loneliness, he, he knew that God was still there. In verse 17, but the Lord stood with me. So therefore Paul really wasn't alone because you and God make a majority in whatever situation you may find yourself in. That's a good place to say amen, church. Hello? He was aware that God was there. But he was aware of a second thing. He was also aware that God was strengthening him. Look in the second part of verse 17. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Guys, your strength comes from the Lord. Your strength comes from the Lord. Your strength comes from the Lord. And the, the sooner we get a handle on that, the sooner we're going to be able to conquer loneliness in our life. He was aware of God's presence. He was aware that God strengthened him. But a third thing, he was aware that God had a purpose and a plan for his life, for him being just there where he was. Look what he says in the latter part of verse 17. Why am I alone? Why am I here? Why have all these people deserted me? So that the proclamation might be fully made through me and all the Gentiles might hear. Paul was aware that God had a plan for him. Paul was aware that God had a purpose for him. Paul was aware that God was using him right there in that very element that he found himself in. So therefore, we got to get our eyes off of ourselves in our situation and get our eyes on God that brings us the strength that we need and remind ourselves that he has us here today for such a time as this. And that's a wonderful phrase out of the book of Esther. God has you where you are today for a reason. 
Look to Him. Realize that He is there. Draw your strength from Him. And then live out your purpose and your calling that God has on your life. Those are some things we can get from the life of the Apostle Paul, which certainly help any situation. But very quickly and in closing today, let me share with you five steps that will help you to overcome loneliness. Five steps that will help you overcome loneliness. Number one, jot this down. Do not rely on shortcuts. There is no shortcut to overcoming loneliness. It's going to take work. And it's going to take work on your part. You will have to intentionally work at it to overcome the loneliness that you feel in your life. There are no shortcuts. Matter of fact, Thomas, Thomas Edison made a quote. He said this, he thought of his inventions were the product of 2% inspiration and 98% perspiration. In other words, he had an idea about something that was 2% of it. And then he worked at it. And guys, if we're going to overcome loneliness, we're going to have to intentionally work at it. It was reported that one day Michelangelo was referred to as a genius He fumed when someone referred to him as a genius. And he said, 20 hours a day for 14 years I worked. And you call it a genius? He said, no, I worked, I worked, I worked. And guys, if we're going to overcome loneliness, you're going to have to work at it. Now, if you just throw up your hands and wait for somebody else to make you not feel lonely any longer, you're going to wallow under the broom tree, under the juniper bush, just like Elijah. And you're going to sing the woe is me story. And you're going to sit around and wait for somebody else to bail you. It ain't going to happen. That ain't not good grammar. I understand that, but it makes good preaching. It ain't going to happen like that. You're going to have to work at it. And you're going to have to implement some biblical principles in your life in order to overcome the loneliness that all of us from time to time have felt. Number one, there are no shortcuts. So don't rely on them. Number two, now here, here's where the rubber meets the road. We must reprogram our minds. You've got to reprogram your mind. You've got to reprogram. Everybody say that together. Reprogram my mind. Repro- say it again, reprogram my mind. That's step number one. What does that mean? It means you've got to change the way you think. Hello? You must change the way you think. Listen to what Proverbs 23, 7 says. As he thinks within himself, so is he. Hello? Did you get that? As a man thinketh, so is he. What are you thinking about? You thinking about being lonely all the time? You singing the little Elijah song under a broom tree? God, I'm the only one that's left. I'm the only one. I'm just sitting here so lonely. That's what you're thinking in your mind. As a man thinketh, so is he. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Guys, let me tell you something. Our God's constantly working. He's constantly working out His plan for the entire world, but also His plan for your life. We are so naive to think that things will always stay the same. 
They're not. You're going to grow up. Things are going to change. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away, finish it for me, childish things. Things change. And God is saying, forget about the former things. Don't even dwell on the past. He says, I'm doing a new thing. In your life, a new thing in our church, a new thing in our ministry, a new thing in our family. God is carrying out His plan. Okay? Reprogram our mind. Romans 12 and 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So you may discern what is good and pleasing and and the perfect will of God. Philippians 4 and 18. I love this passage. Paul is saying, finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any more excellence, if there's any praise, what? Dwell on these things. Guys, we must reprogram the way we think. We must start thinking about things that are that are true and things that are honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable. We must be thinking about the ways of the Lord. We must realize that God has a plan for our life. We must focus our mind on Him. When you start doing those things, you're on your way out of the valley of loneliness. Hello? Reprogram our mind. Thirdly, jot this down. Replenish your heart by establishing a daily quiet time with God. Now, guys, there's no way you can reprogram your mind if you're not spending time with God every day. I mean, that naturally falls in right behind reprogramming our mind. When we reprogram our mind with the Word of God, it's going to replenish our heart. And the only way that would take place is whenever we spend time every single day with the Lord. Psalm 91 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow. Of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I will trust. What is that called? That's replenishing the heart. Guys, we live in a busy world. And one of Satan's jobs is to keep you so busy that you don't think you have time for a daily quiet time with God. But if you stay so busy in this world, I promise you, you're going to wind up a very lonely, lonely, miserable person. You start spending time with God every day and He has a way, it doesn't matter where you are, of replenishing your spirit and your soul and renewing your mind and giving you a whole new outlook on things. And if you change the way you think, you're changing the person you are. Hello? Boy, this is good stuff. Somebody needs to say amen. Number four, jot this down. Rely on your heavenly Father. Rely on your heavenly Father. Just let me tell you that God loves you. He's provided everything that you need in love. He loves you. He trusts in you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. Let's just start depending on Him. You see, our God is in heaven. He sees all of life. I mean, it's like He's sitting on top of of a huge skyscraper somewhere in New York City and He's watching the Macy's Day Parade. And he can see the parade from the very beginning to the very end. I mean, that's kind of God's viewpoint, if you will. The problem is we're down on Main Street. And we're watching Macy's parade come by. And all we can see is one float at a time. We don't know what's two and three and four and five floats down. We just know the one that we're looking at. And many times we get so caught up in looking at just that. It robs us of living our life by faith. 
and trusting in God. We've got to rely on Him. He knows what's best for you. He cares for you. And yes, He will lead and guide you in different ways that maybe are not very comfortable to us, but we've got to trust Him. Amen? We've got to rely on Him. Look at some scripture in Numbers 11. Remind ourselves. Focus on some of the promises of God. Let me hit these for you. Numbers 11 and 17. That whole scripture talks about how God will put His Spirit on people and in doing so, they will help you carry the burden. They will help you carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. Deuteronomy 31 and 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Joshua 1 and 5. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. This is God speaking to Joshua. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Get this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse number 9 of the, of the same chapter says the same thing. He says, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10, do not fear for I am with you. Isaiah 43.2, I will be with you. When you walk through the waters, when you pass through the rivers, when you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned, you'll not be overcome. He's saying, I will be with you. Jeremiah 1 and 8, do not be afraid for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Hebrews 13.5, keep your, your lives free. Free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said he will never leave you, never will I forsake you. Romans 8 and 31, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Guys, do you get the point? Why would we not rely on him? Now, let me give you the fifth and last one. We cannot rely on shortcuts. We must reprogram our mind. We must replenish our hearts. We must rely on the Heavenly Father. But the last one's where the rubber meets the road. Then you, in turn, devote the rest of your life restoring and replenishing others. I was sitting in my basement this week and my wife was working out on the treadmill. When she got done, I said, I need some R's. Help me with my outline. And so I'm throwing out all these topics and she came up with, what about restoring and replenishing? I thought, you know, that's exactly what we need to do. You see, the focus is this. The focus is off of ourselves, and it's on someone else. If you will spend your life restoring someone else, if you will spend your life replenishing someone else, if you will put everybody else before yourself and your family, you will come out of the valley of loneliness. Listen to what Zig Ziglar said. Zig Ziglar said this, You can have whatever you want as long as you help someone else get what they need. That's pretty good counsel, pretty good advice. Here's the thought, guys. We need to get caught up in serving and not being served. Get caught up in serving and not being served. There's a little phrase that we need to understand. Life is not about me. Hello? It's not about you. God has you here for a reason. And it's just not so you can have fun. Although, when we spend our life restoring and replenishing others, there's tremendous fun and excitement and enjoyment that we'll receive as a benefit of that. 
But let's all say that little phrase together. Life is not about me. Together. Life is not about me. One more time. One more time. Will you live that? Will you live that? It's not about you. It's about God using you to serve other people. And that's what the entire, really, gospel of Mark is all about. You'll find that principle all through that wonderful book. Mark 10, 43-45. Whoever wants to become great among you, Jesus said, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did, did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. How are we going to overcome loneliness? Don't rely on shortcuts. Reprogram our mind. Replantish our heart. Rely on our Heavenly Father. And spend the rest of our days restoring and replantishing someone else. Serving them. If you start doing those things, I promise you, you'll come out of the valley of loneliness. And I've, I've struggled with loneliness in the, since 99, whatever it is, eight or nine years that I've been here. I've struggled with that. I walk the sidewalks of this city and my wife and I love to walk and we'll get out and walk and sometimes I feel all alone. Sometimes I'll go sit in the park in, in Chevy Park and sit in one of the swings and I feel all alone. I'm thinking, boy, if I could just go back to Ockard, North Carolina. <laughs> you know what though? Things aren't the same there. Things just aren't the same there. It's changed. You see, I left there when I was about 22, 23 years old. Things are not the same. I love going back and visiting. I love going back and reconnecting. I love, I love interacting with some of my best friends in high school. One of them is Mark Bess. And he'll probably hear this. He listens to our podcast every week. And he shot me an email this week and he said, Brother John, he said, you got to pray. You got to pray. You know why I need to pray? He lives in Chapel Hill. He is a huge Tar Heel fan. <laughs> he said, you got, you got to pray for my Tar Heels. I love interacting with him. I love talking with him. I did pray. It didn't work. God's will was not my will. <laughs> Point is, guys, we all struggle with loneliness. And the best way to overcome it is apply these five things to your life. I wonder as heads are bowed and eyes are closed and I don't know everything that you're dealing with here today. I know some of our church family and I know some of the situations that have taken place in your life. And I know that some are, are hurting and struggling, but for the majority, I really don't know every little thing that's going on in your life. What is it that you're struggling with? What is it that you're struggling with? Is it loneliness? If it is, just let me tell you to look up. Look up to God. He wants to restore your soul. And He wants to use you. And He doesn't want you to feel lonely. He's promised you, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you to the very end. Just rely on me. Reprogram your mind. Quit dwelling on that. Change the way you think. Get into God's Word. Have your daily devotion time. Live for Him. And He'll start doing a work in your life. And some of the most loneliest places that you feel you've ever been, 
maybe it's here. God can use that to where you have your most vibrant ministry ever in your life. The opportunity is all around you. But if we haven't reprogrammed the way we think, we'll miss it. Every single time, we'll miss it. And God has a wonderful plan for you. And He has a wonderful calling on your life. He's got it all planned out. He just needs you to submit and to follow and to be obedient and to serve others, not ourselves. Because life is not about me. And life in all reality is not about you. It's about God using us to carry out His will for the life that we're living. And He wants to reach someone through you. He wants to love someone through you. He wants to speak words of encouragement to someone through you. He wants to give financially to someone through you. He wants to go somewhere through you. These are the only hands. These are the only arms. These are the only feet. This is the only mouthpiece that our God has chosen to use to carry out the great commandment and the great commission. But we've got to get the focus off of ourselves, And we've got to get our focus on God. Where are you right now today? Maybe you're here and you're struggling with loneliness. And the Holy Spirit has pricked your heart and you realize that, you know what? I find myself like Elijah, just wallowing under this juniper tree. Woe is me. Why don't you ask God to forgive you of that today? Look up. Look up. Allow Him to restore your soul. Allow Him to live out His plan for you in your life. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's where it begins. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, the answer begins with Jesus. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, maybe you're here today and you need to give your life to Christ. Will you pray a simple prayer, something like this? Just kind of whisper it silently or pray it in your heart. Just be sincere. Just say, Dear God, my life is a mess. And right now I want to invite you in. I have sinned. And I pray that you'd forgive me of my sins. And I believe that you love me and you died on the cross for me and you were buried and you rose again the third day and that you are God's Son who took my place on the cross. And right now I invite you into my heart to be my personal Lord and Savior. Father, please come into my life. Save me. In Jesus' name I pray. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with loneliness. Let me help you pray today. Father, I know there are people in this congregation that are struggling with loneliness. And Father, I pray right now that you would work in their hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you would convict all of us in the areas of our life that aren't pleasing unto you. And maybe our focus is so inward It's no wonder that we've isolated ourselves and feel alone. Help us, God, to look up and to look out 
into a world that you have created, into a world that you want us to minister to. And help us to find someone today that we could start serving. Help us to look for those opportunities that you give us every day to pour our lives into someone. Help us to live the rest of our days relying on you and restoring and replenishing others because life's not about me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.